Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. Man, what a day this has been so far. A lot of things going on, but man, I believe that God is getting ready to speak into so many hearts and so many lives today. I want to challenge you just to open up your heart. Maybe you're here for the first time of this series. Maybe you're trying to process through why is the church talking about money, and I'm going to talk about and explain that in just a few moments. But before I do that, let me welcome our Warrensburg campus with us. Come on, can we give a welcome to our Warrensburg campus today? They are joining us online, and guys, we are excited that you are coming in, and and we get to be with you today in this message. I challenge you, as you're sitting there in Warrensburg, 25 miles away, that you engage and that you're part of what we're talking about today, because I believe that just as God pours out into this place today, that God's also going to pour out in Warrensburg today, and God's also going to speak into those that are pausing the social media chaos just to watch the message today. How many of you believe God can do all of that? Amen. Amen. Well, we are in a series right now that we're simply calling Money Matters, a legacy greater than self. Now, I know that I've said this each week, and I think it's important because sometimes we forget. A great friend of mine always makes this statement. It's okay to repeat yourself because even Sesame Street repeats itself, right? Come on, come on. Sometimes we need to hear things more than once because if it doesn't sink in the first time, it may press forward a little more the second time and by the third time, the fourth time. In fact, I think it's stated that seven times you have to hear something before it really takes roots. So today is number five, reasons why we are sharing about money and talking about stewardship in church. Jesus talked about it in 11 out of the 39 parables. Now each time it wasn't specifically a topic of money, but he referenced money to some degree because he knew that it would be a vital part or play a role on a daily basis into our lives. He knew that it would be something that we struggled with. And if Jesus understood the importance of sharing and talking and connecting with this idea of finances, how many of you would agree that we've got to take it seriously as well? Amen? Secondly, because this series is less about the money, it's less about a bigger offering, and it's so much more about the discipleship, about what God wants to do in and through what he has blessed you with or has entrusted you with. It's God taking us from being inwardly focused to suddenly being this Godwardly focused individual and ultimately a Godwardly focused church that has a desire and a longing to multiply, to reach beyond these walls, to leave a legacy that's greater than ourselves. I want to challenge you today. Listen very carefully. Really allow this message to take root. Some of you may need to go back and watch and rewatch and rewatch each of the messages from this series. 
can I be honest with you? There's guys that I listen to their podcast regularly, and sometimes I've got to listen to a message two and three times just to grab a hold of all that God has for me in that message. So I'm going to challenge you, go back this week and next week and begin to process through. Because if we're honest, we all fall into this trap with our finances of being conformed to the world's view and the pleasures that it has to offer. Let me say that again, because that should have received an amen. Uh, If we're honest with ourselves this morning... Many of us, if not all of us, fall into this trap with our finances of being conformed to the world's view and the pleasures that it has to offer. Truth be told, that's in direct opposition to what God desires for your life. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, don't do it. Come on, those of you in Warrensburg, look at your neighbor, say, don't do it. Don't copy the behaviors. Don't fall into the trap of what the world has to offer. But what do we do instead? We let God transform us. Come on. Into a new person. By changing what we do? No. No, see, what we do is simply a byproduct of who we are. Did you grab that? Our actions, our behaviors, our words... They're simply a a manifestation of, a response to who we are deep on the inside. So the Bible says, don't be conformed, don't be trapped into what the world is doing, but be transformed by allowing God to renew you in the mind by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good which is pleasing and perfect. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just exist. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to be a reflection of the world outside of these walls. I don't want to be fall I don't want to be guilty of falling into the trap of what the world has to offer, but I want God to renew me from the inside out that who I am, the DNA that runs through my life is a direct reflection of who he is that suddenly I fall into line with his good, his pleasing and his perfect will. Now this goes for every area of your life, your actions, your words, your behaviors, your leading, and yes, your finances. Now, when I mention finances, riches, material items, new stuff, what comes to mind? Some of you get stressed. Some of you get overloaded right now. Others of you get a little excited because this acquisition of stuff is so exciting for you. We all have those things that we desire to acquire. In fact, the statement we've heard many times, the more the merrier. But understand this, having nice things, is it's not bad. I think God wants us to have nice things. 
I think he desires us to have nice things. But when the accumulation of stuff happens, it has a tendency of becoming a distraction that takes us off the path that God has for us. The gathering of more material items, the gathering of more wealth, the stockpiling of our supply and our bank account has a tendency of leading us down the wrong road. Why? Because suddenly we become conformed, we become conformed to who the world wants us to be rather than what God has for us. We are called to leave a legacy. I wonder today, what is your ambition in life? Is it to leave a legacy or to be a legend? Man, we've talked a lot about this in the series, but it's so true that there's a huge difference between the two. If all we're concerned about is being a legend, guess what? People may celebrate you in the moment, but you're soon going to be forgotten. It's true, it doesn't take very long for people to go, who? Never heard of her. I don't know who you are. Oh, we can try to make a name for ourselves. We can try to promote ourselves. Some of us are really good about doing that on social media. Well, that's another topic for another day. But we can dress up. Have you ever seen that person that walk around like this all the time? But suddenly you say, hey, let's take a selfie, and they're like, Suddenly they're transformed into the happiest person in the world. And 99.9% of the rest of the time, they're a grump. We're real good about trying to look the parts. Dressing up real nice. But Jesus called that out in the Pharisee. He said, man, you guys gussy up real good. Man, you clean up rather nicely. But on the inside, come on. You're whitewashed tombs, folks. There's no life existing. I want to challenge you. Don't be so concerned about being a legend, but let this idea of leaving a legacy, let that be the focal point of who you are. It's investing in the future, a future that will outlast us. A future that ultimately will multiply what God set in motion in his word. Will multiply what Jesus established while here on earth. It's investing in the generation to come that continues to multiply the goodness of God. Luke chapter 16, our text today. It says, no servant can serve two masters. For either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I want to look today at three quick observations, three things that we can see when it comes to this idea of leaving a legacy. I want to encourage those of you here, those who are watching online, those at our Warrensburg campus, I want to encourage you guys to take really good notes today. I don't care how old you are, we still have something to learn. Come on, right? No matter what age you get to, we all have something we can learn. If we come to that place that we think we know it all, guess what? You've got something to learn, you don't. 
We all have something we can learn. So let's look at this idea of leaving a legacy and what does that mean for our lives. Number one, we just read it, you cannot serve God and money. It's not possible. You can't do it. Come on, look at this. You cannot serve God and money. You will either, uh, whether you believe it or not, many of us listening today, many of us here today, many of us watching online today have come to the place that money has become the focal point of what you do. You work harder to make more money, to buy some things, to impress some people that you really don't even like. Are you guilty of that? It becomes a focal point of of what we do. The accumulation of money, the accumulation of stuff, shiny things, the greatest, the latest, the newest, the most expensive, the name brand. But if we're truly a follower of Jesus, and we truly desire to model who he is to the world around us, then our focus cannot be rooted in the promotion or the enhancement of self. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about leaving a legacy that models Jesus to a broken and perverted world. You see, the world around us will truly learn more about Jesus and who he is if we model it than if we simply are critics of their bad behavior. Come on. They're going to learn a whole lot more because they're watching If you profess to be a Christian, if you profess to go to church, they're watching. How are they going to respond when the boss calls them into the office? How are they going to respond when they've had a rough weekend? How are they going to respond when the the, the line that they're working on in the factory gets backed up and things get a little stressful? What are they going to do? See, they'll learn a whole lot more about Jesus by your actions and how you respond and by what you do than they will by you pointing your fingers saying, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong. I wonder, are we modeling who God's called us to be? In our text today in Luke chapter 16, it said, you cannot serve God and money. The word that is used for money here is the word mammonas. Mammonas literally means treasures or riches where it is personified and opposed to God. But truth be told, it goes much deeper than this. It's much more than just riches or treasures. Many scholars believe that the word mammon or mammonos actually refers to the Assyrian god, this false god of riches. Now, this is where it gets interesting. This false god promised to provide people with everything they needed if they served him. So in essence, Jesus in this moment, in this scripture, is saying this. You cannot claim to serve and trust God if you are relying upon the mammon, the money in your life. It's not possible. 
if we're trusting and relying upon all of these dollars, in fact, on the back of your money, it says, in God we trust. And every one of us in the room will go, come on, preach it, pastor. In God we trust. But if the money is ruling our lives and we're relying upon financial security and the accumulation of stuff to provide for our lives, suddenly it begins to define your identity. So the question that begs to be asked is this. Which are you trusting in? Are you trusting in God? Or money? Come on, think about that for a moment. Which are you relying upon? I just got to have enough to pay my rent. I just have enough, have to have enough to pay my, my car payment. I've just got to have enough for food. I've got to have enough for, who are you relying upon? What are you relying upon? What are you depending upon? God or money? Because the Bible says he is Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. That my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Not my wants, but my needs. That I'm to cast my care upon him. Why? Because he cares for me. That we're two or more gathered in his room. There he is, and we can ask anything in his name, and it will be done. What's included there? Everything. I wonder, what are you trusting in today? What are you relying upon Today, are you trusting in God or are you trusting in the mammon, the money in your life? See, our first observation is this. We can't serve God and money. Our second is this. God has a plan to redeem your money. How many of you would agree with me today? Our money needs redeemed. Come on, our money needs redeemed. I want to ask Brian and Tina to come at this time. I want to take just a moment, and I want to process just a couple of things with them. And if I can get one of my guys to help me with the chairs quickly. Malachi chapter 3 says this. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies... I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try me. Put me to the test. Come on, say those last five words with me. Put me to the test. You all have done that. Guys, this is Brian and Tina McGinnis. We're going to take about three minutes and kind of process through. Tina, you and I were talking last Sunday morning after the first service. Um, kind of give you all a backstory here. About a year ago? A year ago on the 19th. A year ago on the 19th. So I was pretty close. About a year ago. Um, come on. Uh, Brian literally received a new heart. Open heart, like replacement new heart surgery, Right. So in that process, you haven't been able to work. No, no, I have not. Let's grab the microphone because people watching in Warrensburg, nope. he can't read the lips. Let me see real quick. Oh, it's on. You're good. Uh, yeah, starting from September of last year, I haven't officially been able to go to work. I've tried to go back a couple times, but 
just not been strong enough to do it. So with not working, that meant no income. Well, I had an income until we, we had some income coming in from her. And even my work was very good to take care of me for a while. Um, but we came to a point where, you know, they couldn't afford to keep just paying me. <laughs> and Tina, being a school worker, gets to, you know, she gets the summers off, but that means she gets no pay either. So, you know, money starts to run out. And then you take on top of that all the extra medications, all the extra bills going on. Gas money. The multiple trips that we've had to take to Kansas City or her coming up because I was in the hospital. I mean, finances have been pretty exciting for the past past year. So there came a point in time, probably I'm guessing around May? June. June. Okay. So June of this year, you get a phone call from, you guys, your house right now is a lease to own type situation. How, Brian and I were talking about this Friday night. It's and, owner financed. Owner finance. So yeah. we were struggling to figure out how to define this person that, that called. So the person you were owner financing the house from calls you. What did that conversation sound like? Well, I did my last tithing. It was June 15th-ish. We get paid on the 15th at school once a month. So I got my last paycheck for the whole summer on June 15th. That's also when all of his sick leave ran out, was in June. So we were done. So Brian no was getting no more paycheck. You were going to get no more summer paycheck. We're done. This was the last. This was kind of like a few weeks ago we talked about that, that widow that comes in and she's got like, this is all I got left. That's kind of where you were. Yeah. Brian was in the hospital. Yes, and I called him after service. Hey, did you watch the service? He said yes. I said okay. And he's like, by any chance, did you tithe? And I'm like, well, of course. It never we've always done that that's what we do and he's like well this one could hurt and it's easy to tithe when you know you have two incomes yeah i mean it is and when you well, it's don't, also easy to tithe when you know that you get another paycheck coming in two another, weeks or yeah. three months or whatever yeah when you know money's coming it's okay we didn't know that and honestly at the time i never even it never processed brian's not getting paid anymore it's just he always gets paid. He and it was done. So the next day after you know, I after he said that I was very flippant. It's something we've always said is Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And maybe maybe a little too flippant of God will provide. Jehovah Jireh, it'll always be okay. The next day, the lady who owns our house called me and asked me how Brian was doing and I explained to her he's in the hospital again. I think we found figured it out. You spent what 75 80% of the year in the hospital. So I was on my own again with the girls and I told her, you know, he's in the hospital again, another different type of infection, perfect heart, body is just having issues. And she's like, "Well, I was at church yesterday and I was praying about you guys and how are you going to make your house payment?" And I'm like, "Well, that's a pretty darn good question because we don't know and she's like well in my praying what i want you to do she's like if i'm correct because you work for the school you won't get paid until a full paycheck in october and i told her that was correct we're done and she said well what i want you to do until october whenever things start changing around you pay me principal only for the next six months so that made our house payment what 40 percent of what it normally would be. Hmm. And, you know, what do you even say? 
mean, Jehovah Jireh. So are God you putting, will provide. Are you putting two and two together here? Yeah. He says, try it, putting me to the test. So here you all, you were on a Sunday morning, your last paycheck. Brian's not going to get any more paycheck. This is it. This is the last we're hurrah. Done. God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to depend upon you. God, I'm going to believe Brian, I, I, I'd be the same way. You said, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. I mean, but it wasn't resp- a whole lot, but it's still going to hurt. But in response, God says, you know what? I got this. Brian wants to say something. I'm going to hit Pastor with a piece that he doesn't even know about because it actually has happened since you and I talked Friday night. Even Friday night when Pastor Chris was talking to us about coming up here, we were talking about where the situation was. I said, well, Tina's back at work, so that's helping us. But we still haven't heard anything about my disability. Still have no clue what's going on. And I even stopped at that point and asked Pastor Chris. I'm like, we have a question. Do we tithe on disability? I mean, seriously. Where does that fit into this puzzle? And I told him, well, he, he kind of said he didn't know, and that was between us and God. And I said, well, Tina and I right now have pretty much decided that we're going to go ahead and do it regardless of what the rule is because you can't outgive God. That's right. Um, so we are still in that financial, uh-oh. Pastor Chris, when I went home that home Friday night, I sat down and checked our account. It's pending for Monday. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. And you can't outgive God. When you're faithful in that moment, when you step forward, you say, God, it doesn't make sense. God, I don't know what it's going to look like. God, it's going to hurt. But Lord, I'm going to trust you. He says, test me. Put me to the test. And I'm not saying that we have, you know, all the riches in heaven coming down, but God has provided. Amen. In every way. I mean, we haven't gone hungry. Our kids haven't gone hungry. That's awesome. I mean, it's been amazing to watch. And I've even told him a few times, I don't know how God's going to do this month, but let's sit back and watch how he does it. It's going to be fun to watch. And every time something happens. That's awesome. Guys, thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Come on, can we give the McGinnises a round of applause? I love watching God step in, even when it doesn't make sense. Here he says, put me to the test, trust me, rely upon me, depend upon me, and watch what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to do more with the remaining that you have left than you could ever do with the whole on your, by yourself. This is what it means, church, to leave a legacy. It's about giving beyond yourself to reach a world that is broken without him. It starts right here in the local church, a church that we call Encounter Church. We are called to give it to the storehouse for you and I. That's this body. And then at that point, we say, Lord, we trust you. God, I I believe that, Lord, the church is going to use it to further your kingdom. We give that tithe, that's 10%, and oftentimes we think, well, that's the, the final resting place, or that's the launching pad, that's what I'm supposed to do. But truth be told, Jesus says we are to position ourselves to be a part of something so much greater than self, right? We are to position ourselves to be a part of something so much greater than ourselves, to move forward to a new level with God. 
In your seats this morning, every other seat, there was this card. It said October 22 to December 23 commitment card. I want you to hold that card in your hand. A few weeks ago, I talked about five levels of givers. Number one is the potential giver. This is that person that's never given before. They've, they've come into church. They're part of the church. Maybe they've been watching online, but they've never given anything. They've got a job. They've got an income, but they haven't begun to trust God. The second level is the emerging giver, that individual that gives periodically a five here, a 10 there, a, a 50 there, every so often throws something in. That's simply the emerging giver. Your third level, that's the consistent giver. This is the person that plans ahead. I'm going to give God X amount every month. It's going to come out of my account. Maybe you've gone onto our app or onto the website and you've got it set up where it automatically comes out. You're a consistent giver. And then we have number four, the tithe giver. This is that person that gives 10%. You figure out what you make a month and you give God 10% of that, that's a tithe giver. The legacy giver, this is that individual that says, Lord, I want to go above and beyond. Lord, I don't want to just stop at this tithe moment, God, but I want to give so that missionaries have the opportunity to share the word of God because the Bible says we are to go everywhere and tell everyone about the good news of Jesus. And I can't go to Guatemala. I can't go to Puerto Rico. I can't go to the Dominican Republic. I can't go to the Ukraine. But I know a missionary that can, and I want to be a part of that. I want to support that. And and that's what we do as a church. It's the individual that says, I want to support Chi Alpha. These are our missionaries that go on our college campuses and they speak into our students on a regular basis. And we're seeing young people raised up and we're at it, where they have a tendency by the culture and by the education system of going down a really rough path. Come on. We've got a missionary there on the campus that says, you know what? Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan, and that, that legacy giver gets to be a part of that. That legacy giver gets to be a part of, of launching campuses around, the, around this whole area in Warrensburg. Guys, we supported you. We still support you. We believe in Warrensburg. I believe that great things are coming, and you are there today because many people rose up to the challenge and said, we need to see a thriving Assemblies of God church in Warrensburg, and today we have that. But we're not stopping. Come on, yeah, come on. But we're not stopping there. Next year, we're going to launch our third campus, and then our fourth campus, and then our fifth campus. We're going to keep reaching people. Why? Because all around us are people that are dying every single day without Jesus in their lives, and they're splitting the gates of hell wide open. That's what a legacy giver gets to be a part of. Honestly, Angie and I have been praying about what God would have us to do, even as recent as last night. We talked briefly about this. We've been giving faithfully our tithe on a regular basis, but we've been giving above and beyond that. We support about four missionaries every single month. Why? Because we believe in missions. We believe in reaching beyond these walls. We are faithful to give, and God has been stirring our hearts to raise that amount that we're giving as your leaders. Why am I telling you this? Because I want you to understand, I'm not asking you to be a part of something that I'm not willing to be a part of. I'm asking you to jump on board of something exciting that God is doing, to be a part of something so much greater than self. 
I believe God's wanting us to raise the percent of what we give as individuals, Angie and I, to reach the lost, to make an impact upon this next generation. What's that look like for you? Maybe right now you're an emerging giver. Maybe you've never given before. Maybe, maybe you've been giving consistently. Maybe you've been a tither and God's calling you to move to the next level. What does that look like for you? Because 2023 is going to be an absolutely incredible year. I'm so excited about where God is leading this body of believers in this next year. But it's going to be a big dream. I've already shared that with you. It's a huge dream. A $1 million dream in order to accomplish what we believe, the leadership believes that God is leading us to do. As I stated, we're going to launch our third campus. We're going to continue to support missionaries. I believe we can increase our missions giving. I get calls from missionaries almost on a weekly basis. Somebody is contacting me saying, we just need to get on the mission field. Can we book a service? Can we get support? Can we gather together so we can share our heart? And we want to do that as a church. We're going to begin the process of what it looks like to expand our property here in Sedalia. To double, if not triple, our lobby. To build a new worship center, a, a new nursery. Man, that nursery, some Sundays is jam-packed. There's like 14 or 16 babies in the nursery a couple of weeks ago. That's a lot of babies. We want to have some classroom space. We want to get all of our offices together. We want to be able to utilize the lower field for church activities and church events. So we're going to begin that process of working with an architect next year. We're going to continue leadership training for the rural churches and rural pastors around us. We're going to begin having our very own conferences right here at Encounter Church. We have a men's conference in March of 23. It's going to be incredible. We have a heart's desire and be praying with us that we want to launch a Chi Alpha ministry right at our Camp College campus in Warrensburg. Come on, those of you in Warrensburg, I should be hearing you cheer right now. We are working really hard, diligently. In fact, just last night, I'm texting some Chi Alpha missionaries that I know that are working with another team. And I said, I believe you're the ones. Are you ready to jump on board? Are you ready to make this happen? Why am I so adamant on this? Because we have about 10,000 students that are at that campus, and they need to hear about Jesus Christ. This is accomplished with our legacy giving. But if we are not careful, if we are not listening to the leading of God, we'll find ourselves listening to the voice of the money and we'll miss what God is calling us to do. We'll allow the money in your possession, in our possession, to manage our lives rather than us managing or stewarding what God has given us. I believe that God has called each one of us to leave a legacy greater than self. A legacy to invest in missions. A legacy to give our tithe. A legacy for future campuses. A legacy for building expansions. A legacy for student ministries. A legacy that will impact the kingdom of God and advance the kingdom of God to reach a lost and dying world. Now this card. I've given each one of you this card, and I want you to take this card very seriously. Now listen. I'm not asking you to turn this in. What you're doing on this card, this is between you and God. 
But I'm going to ask you to take this card and be serious in your prayers. If you're married, with your spouse. If you have a family, with your family. Man, incorporate your kids in this conversation. If you're single, man, petition God. God can still hear you. And say, Lord, where do you want me to be on this? But I will tell you this. If you right now are a potential giver, you've never given whatsoever, I'm going to challenge you, don't jump to legacy because you're going to get overwhelmed quickly. But just begin to do something. Take this card, fill this card out. This is for you to keep. Keep it in your Bible, put it on your refrigerator, uh, stick it on your bathroom mirror, put it on your car dash, somewhere, wherever, as a reminder to you, God, this is the commitment I'm making to you. And then begin to do that. Very quickly, I've got to finish up. Number three, leaving a legacy requires listening to the right voice. Legacy living, legacy giving oftentimes requires a greater level of faith. It's saying, God, I trust you even when it doesn't make sense. Brian and Tina, you had to trust God even when it didn't make sense. Even when you couldn't wrap yourself around it, you said, I'm going to trust God. This is what we do. This is part of our DNA. We're going to give and trust God. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. The New Living Translation says it this way. Faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. See, our faith comes from the good news of what Jesus has done. Let me ask you, has God been good to you? Has God been good to you? Has he done anything in your life? Then I challenge you, step out in your faith. Leave a legacy. Pastor, what's faith? Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Faith is the evidence of things we cannot see. See, here's the deal. Money is going to tell you all sorts of lies. Money is going to promise you identity. If you have more, you're going to be somebody. People are going to recognize you. If you've got more money, then you're going to have more security. You're going to have nothing to fear. If you have more money, you'll have significance. You'll have freedom. If you have more money, you can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. Money promises you happiness. It promises you a better marriage. It promises you respect. Truth be told, only God can give you those things. Only God can give you identity. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are created in the image of God. Only God can give you identity. When you give your life to Christ, you're a new creation. The old life is gone and suddenly the new life has been established. Only God can give you significance. Only God can give you purpose. Only God can give you love. Only God can give you peace. Only God can give you a better marriage. So here's the question. Is money evil? No. Money's neutral. Sometimes we get confused and we think that money is evil. We think that the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. But that's not the case. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. In other words, when this becomes the focal point of what we do, this is when evil sets in. Greed and selfishness and pride. But listen carefully. There's a reason why Jesus says you can't serve God in money. It simply won't work got to listen to the right voice. 
Now hear my heart on this. Hear my heart. Some of you are sitting here today. Some of you are watching online. Those of you in Warrensburg, you're watching attentively right now. And truth be told, you've discounted some of this. You've excused your way out. You've allowed the enemy to begin to lie to you and speak lies into your ear. You say, I'm listening, but I'm not sure how this applies to me. Again, hear my heart. Hear the heart of God. This is what I feel God's wanting us to say. It's not about the bigger offering. It's not all about a larger amount. It's about leaving a legacy greater than self. It's about praying. It's about listening. It's about obeying. And then it's about sitting back and watching God bring about the wow. It's plowing our spiritual field and watching what God's going to do. Again, he's Jehovah Jireh. It starts by putting our faith and our trust in him. In Luke chapter 16, it says, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. Lord, I'm going to trust you in the little things. Put me to the test. Watch what I'm going to do. And we've talked a lot about stewardship. Stewardship is simply the idea of careful and responsible management of something that's entrusted to you. That's where we are in this series. Lord, I don't want the money in my life to rule me. Lord, I want to steward it well. God, I want to trust you. I want to do what you'd have me to do with what you've blessed me with. So Lord, I I give it back to you. I put you in first place. Would you bow your heads with me today? Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.